Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 44 of the No Book Cast podcast presented to you by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world if you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, who is convinced that my man Andy Flint, after last week's audio, has like a flip phone like Andrew Luck has. Like he just owns a flip phone still, and then he like rides his bike to work. He doesn't even own a car. And uh, speaking of which, I got my co-host with me, Andy Flint. Flint, what's good? Defend yourself. I have no defense. I'm blaming the leaves on the trees. It's summer's fault, baby. It's summer's fault. Yeah, blame David Stern. That, that's always a good person to blame. Just blame David Stern, just like AI used to do back in the day with the dress code. All I'm right, blaming so Obama. Our, yeah, blame Obama, too. That's a popular one. David Stern, Obama, you know, t- tomato, tomato. All right, so we got a special edition of our show. Like we do every year. Last week we did the point guard draft. This week we are continuing with the shooting guard draft. And then as you – might be able to predict. We will go to small forward, power forward, and center. Andy and I do this every year. Um, we used to write for a website together, so we've been doing this four years consecutively. This is our second year on the podcast, bringing this uh, version of, of our draft to the podcast. So basically, just the way it works. We just throw all the shooting guards into a pool, and then we just draft them 2K style. It's, based, it's basically our creative way of doing rankings, but um, it's something that Andy and I really like to do. We really look forward to it, and we, and we hope that you like it too. So, uh, I believe I had first pick with the shooting guards. I did. So, or no, no, I'm sorry, Andy, you had first pick with the shooting guards. So any odd number pick, Andy's, and any even number pick is mine. So first we're going to go through the list. I'm going to go 30 through, through 16, and then we're going to pause because we have a couple of guys we want to talk about, and then we do the same thing, 15 through 6, and then we discuss the top five. Got it? Get it? Good. All right, let's do it. Number 30, Evan Turner. Number 29, Manu Ginobili. Number 28, Wes Matthews. Number 27, Alex Burks. Number 26, big fall from last year. We had him in the top 10 last year, Andy. Uh, Tony Allen. 25, Danny Green. 24, Zach Levine. 23, uh, I, I can't even say it, Andy. I can't even say it. 23, Archie Goodwin, Andy took. Uh, 22, Kyle Korver. 21, J.R. Smith. 20, Jamal Crawford. 19, Jordan Clarkson. 18, Will Barton. 17, Rodney Hood. 16, Tyreek Evans. Okay, so let's, let's, let's go back to what we got to go back to here, Andy. All right, so Andy's person that he wants to discuss is number 23, Archie Goodwin. For the record, I gave Andy a chance to take this pick back. I thought maybe, like, his 9-year-old son hacked his profile and just started looking up names, just found the first name, Archie, starts with an A, probably the first shooting guard on the list. Nope, Andy, you actually took Archie Goodwin. Explain to me why. I mean, I like Archie. I saw a lot from him last year, and – Here's the thing. If you look at the raw numbers, it's nothing crazy. I mean, nine points a game, a couple assists, a couple of rebounds. But what a lot of people didn't notice, and I happen to just because I watched the Phoenix mostly watched Devin Booker, admittedly. But Goodwin had a really – he had some strong moments. I mean, his entire month of February was very strong. Uh, 15 points a game, about four assists, three rebounds. Just – way he plays the game he's a bit streaky but he's 22 six five, like 210 he's a good-sized kid and in the flashes I saw from him were enough but also please take into consideration I, I'd like everybody to realize that when we do these rankings the grouping where these guys fall into is kind of almost more important than their actual number and to me there was a lot of guys who I was like stalling with you know in in the 20s there and you know, I saw the, the opportunity, and sometimes my guys move around from where I had them listed, and, and Archie came to me there, and, and I think he's – you know, I think there was, like, one slip-up by me 
but I, I do I'm comfortable with him, you know, among the guys he's with. Okay. So first of all, the only first of all his name is Archie. The only Archie I know is Archie Bunker and he has the benefit of being make believe. Uh second of all, <laughs> I I just don't like the guys I think there were still good guys on this list. I mean, Tony Allen obviously is a guy that we had in the top ten. Off year, I'm I'm not mad if you think Tony Allen's gonna fall off of a cliff. Um, Danny Green had a horrible season last season. Same for Wes Matthews, who who is also still on the board. But you know, we have guys like Zach Levine. I couldn't believe you took him over Zach Levine. Um, even well, the that's the like one. Burke, that's the one I said. That's 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 the mistake yeah. I think I made. And and it wasn't. And it's not, it's actually more of a Zach Levine mistake than an Archie Goodwin mistake in in my mind. Because I'll, I'll get into that a little more here when we talk about Zach Levine. But yes, yeah, yeah I, we, I do. We, I think that was an oversight. But I'm comfortable with the other guys. I'm comfortable with the Tony Allens and, and you know, like the Kyle. I think these are guys who are coming, who are going to fall off. And again, some of this is is kind of indicated, you know, what we think will happen now. Yeah, I don't know. Right. Goodwin's got to get more playing time. Obviously, he's got to tighten it up. In the 20s, there was nobody I really loved. Yeah, you know, the one thing that troubled me, about, like just researching Archie Goodwin for the, for the purpose of of what we're doing here, because I knew you had taken him, is. Um, obviously I, I think you, you knew my argument. So you threw out his statistics knowing that I was going to bring up the fact that he did not have many statistics, but the really, the one that troubles me the most Andy is the fact that he only could get 19 and a half minutes a game on a young Phoenix Suns team that really didn't have anything to play for. Granted, part of that is I think obviously Devin Booker is, is overlapping in his position and maybe you can't play Devin Booker and Archie Goodwin together. That, that could be a thing that maybe the coach thought, but you would think if he was a young talent, like you're saying, like arguably a top 25 shooting guard, like a starting quality shooting guard, basically is what you're saying for the fact that you took him in the top 30, 30 teams. So it, you would think that he'd be getting more like 25 minutes a game or 28 minutes a game, the fact that they would want to see more of him. But it seems like he, he couldn't get burned on a team that really didn't have anything to play for. So that was like my one, the one thing that kind of stood out to me is, I would think if, if he was somebody that good and that talented that he would be getting more than 19 and a half minutes a game. Well, and again, and he did, and that's what I say. That's why I look at the month of February, and I think that's when I was watching a lot, and a lot of people were because Booker was taking off at that point too because of these injuries. I think Phoenix has a weird roster and they kind of have log jams, but he was getting about 32 minutes a game for that month, and that's when, you know, he, he had right. the 15 points, the four and the three. And again, he's, he's a streaky kid, but I'm, I'm comfortable with it. You're not, you're not getting me to take it back. Archie Bunker, Archie yeah, Goodwin, the, Archie and Junkhead. I don't even care, man. Uh, the other thing that troubles me is a shooting guard that uh, shoots 23% from the three-point line. That's not really uh, not really my thing, personally. You, you, you can have him at 23. I, I'll, I'll let you have that. Uh, the guy I wanted to talk about was the guy I took right ahead of Archie Goodwin, apparently. I didn't know I was taking him ahead of Archie Goodwin, but uh, Kyle Korver, who is uh, number 22 on our list, obviously a big drop from last year. Andy, I think we had him somewhere around 11 or 12. He was somewhere where Tony Allen was, but he had one of the worst statistical seasons of his career, and this is a guy that came off the bench most of his career. So he, he literally had a worse season starting playing 30, 31 minutes a game than he did coming off the bench for the Chicago Bulls when he was playing like 18 minutes a game. So that's not good <laughs> for those of you scoring at home. Not good when you have worse numbers starting than you did coming off the bench. Um, he was once a contender for the greatest white dude in the league crown, and now J.J. Redick has just completely left him in the dust in the greatest fighting shooting guard in the league crown. Uh, how the mighty have fallen. Kyle Korver, the other thing is obviously his age. You know, it's not like – I mean, granted, Kyle Korver, the, the game that he plays obviously requires him to do 
a lot of conditioning. If you think about Ray Allen, you know, sort of like Ray Allen was good until he was older because the way he plays, he has to keep in shape. So I don't doubt that Kyle Korver can bounce back and, and do sort of the same thing, but it's kind of hard to, to give a guy the benefit of the doubt given the fact that his statistics last season and the fact that he's obviously past his prime age-wise. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, and I think the thing people don't really think about Cal Korver is because he had some good seasons back with uh, the Sixers um, earlier in his career. Um, but since the Sixers days, he spent some years in Utah and Chicago and stuff of that nature. I think that might have been the only two before Atlanta. But he, he spent years where right. he didn't really – he wasn't over like 10 points a game for like five seasons in a row. So when he came back to Atlanta, he kind of had this – this you know portion of his career where he became really good but what people didn't realize is that he was already like 32 so right. you know he was he <laughs> kind of hit that point of his career where he was one of the you know one of the leading players on one of the better teams out there in the east and it kind of is one of those things where I think people get a little lost in translation. You're like, well, Kyle Corbett's 35 years old. And I think you hit it on the head with what you're saying. You know, you get these – I get some of these guys in, like, rec league ball who are old dudes who can just do the same thing. They're good at moving around, getting people on screens, hitting open shots. And when you're playing in the NBA with a bunch of 20-year-olds that are just more athletic by the minute, it becomes increasingly harder to, to create space because Corbett's game is predicated on the space he can create with limited athleticism. A lot of these guys make up a uh, court quickly on him because they're, you know, they're younger, they're longer, they're more athletic. So I think down even more this year. I just have a feeling, I think his, his use is kind of drying up a little bit as he ages. Yeah. I mean, the one argument you can make though, the, the problem with this argument is I don't think it's going to change this year is that teams really keyed in on Corver this year because of, you know, the great season that he had the year before, but I don't see any changes that Atlanta made in their roster. That's going to change the fact that people might still key in on Kyle Corver doing why they might, might not is because of how bad he was last season. Maybe they'll sleep on him a little bit. Um, but the, the, the thing that troubles me the most is that the Kyle Corver we saw last year was like, Kyle Korver for the majority of his career. Like you're saying, he didn't really become the Kyle Korver that we've expected of him until he, until his second stint in Atlanta, where he sort of became on the scene. Like you were saying, he was 32 years old at the time, but all of a sudden he was like this, this great shooter and this great weapon offensively. And the, the, I mean, granted he was worse probably last season than he had been, you know, throughout his career, but this is more representative of Kyle Korver than the last three years were th throughout his like 12 or 13 year career. So that's something that, that really just bothered me. So we're going to move on to the social media dime of the day, because it does involve two guys involved in, in the uh, 30 through 16. So the social media dime is each week. If you follow us on social media, if you don't, I don't know what you're doing. Um, Facebook.com slash NLP pod or at NLP podcast on Twitter. We post daily, basically debates of different things that we're wondering about different players, you know, especially for these drafts, I've really we've really been focusing on, you know, the 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 week that we're going to do the draft. We kind of have things tailored to that position. So, um, the one that got the most interaction is the one that we're going to throw on the show and kind of see what Andy and I think about it. So this week, the one that got the most interaction was uh, Jordan Clarkson, who was 19 on our list, and Zach Levine, who was number 24 on our list. And I believe that we both you picked Clarkson, but I also had Clarkson over Levine. So we both sort of like Clarkson a little bit better than Levine. But the question was, is if you had to trade a first-round pick, if you're a young developing team 
looking for a young shooting guard and you had to trade a first round pick, would you trade it for Zach Levine or Jordan Clarkson or neither? Because uh, surprisingly to me, Andy, um, a lot of the people that follow us on social media, not a fan of Zach Levine or Jordan Clarkson. I got a lot of, uh, well, they're both bums, so I wouldn't trade for either one of them, which surprised me because, I mean, I think these are two of the better younger shooting guards in the league. And a lot of you guys that interact on this page are going to catch the union people selecting here down a little bit. I think given the pick, it matters what pick it is. I mean, if we're talking like, uh, you know, just outside the lottery or the end of the lottery, I don't know. I, I think first and foremost, before I really get into the two, this is what I was kind of saying a little bit ago is I made a little bit of a mistake. See, what I do is I have a spreadsheet and I've told Frank about this before, obviously. I have a spreadsheet and now I've been doing it on my phone. So some guys, when I forgot them to go down and I double check and I'm like, Oh, I forgot a Zach Levine or, or somebody of that nature. They get tossed to kind of like the side. So I don't have to retry to shape it. And I forgot about, right. I, I would have had Levine over Clarkson. And uh, we were just talking about Archie given a little bit ago. I, I actually had, I, I liked Zach Levine a decent deal more than Jordan Clarkson. I think they're similar players. Oh, really? They're similar size. They do a lot of the same things. Um, average pretty similar numbers but i think i you would i would be comfortable for zach levine than i would clarkson i think a lot of it has to do with uh, no kardashian interaction on levine's end uh he you want to realize that being it is factor. a huge factor this is a, this is a red flag, bro, and this is kind of why I don't mess with Chris Middleton because his his name it's spelled different than uh, Chris Humphreys, but they both start with a K, and a dude's name as Chris is supposed to start with a CH. So you guys need to get with this. But Zach Levine, I think it, he just there's a, he's a little more appealing to me. He's more athletic. I think he's a little quicker. Though Clarkson is athletic and quick, I think Levine Levine kind of just bests Clarkson I, or Clarkson at some of the things I think he does well. And that to me says a lot. Plus they have the same amount of playing experience, two years, but I think Levine's three years younger. Maybe it's two. Yeah. 24 compared to 21. Uh, Right. A little more. I think I would have had Levine somewhere in the ballpark of like maybe two places higher than Clarkson. It's kind of hard to interpret the way my, my, my spreadsheet is a mess, man. I got to take screenshots and, and show the people, but that's how I feel. Give me Levine, maybe Clarkson, depending on the pick. So for me, I feel like I would trade a first-round pick for either one of them. If it were me, if I was a younger team that needed like an athletic shooting guard sort of, you know, combo guard kind of thing, I feel like I would take a chance on either one of these guys. Though I like Clarkson more than Levine, I think he's a better player right now. Um, I, I would say that if I were trading a first-round pick, I would probably trade for Levine just because I feel like he has a higher ceiling than Clarkson. So even though I think Clarkson, because the way we do our rankings is it's for basically next year. So who do we think is going – because we do them every year. So it wouldn't make sense if we were going five years out because then next year it's going to look weird if we were like, oh, yeah, five years from now this guy's going to be better, and then next year we say he's not. So the way we do these rankings <laughs> is just right now as it stands, you know, for the next season, who do we think is better? So – I think Jordan Clarkson will be better than Zach Levine next season. Um, so that's why I had him ahead. But if I were trading a first-round pick, I mean, if Clarkson was available, I would definitely look at him, and I feel like I would pull the trigger. But if I had the choice between the two, I think I would take Levine only because, you know, if Levine pans out, I think he can be a top-five shooting guard in this league. I really do. Just because he has the athleticism, he has the size, he has the talent. It seems like he works hard. Um, I mean – 
you can sell tickets with him because he's going to do like a 720 handstand dunk or whatever the hell he does. So he's going to, he's going to do something like that for you. Um, so, you know, all in all, short, short, making a long story short, I would take Levine with the first round pick, but I like Jordan Clarkson better than Zach Levine right now. Um, so we are going to move on, Andy, uh, 16 through, or yeah, 15 through six, I should say. Um, in our shooting guard draft. So number 15, we have Contavious Caldwell-Polk, KCP, which you took for some reason. We're going to talk about that. Uh, number 14, big pick, uh, big guy that a lot of people want to talk about, Devin Booker, Evan Fournier, Andy's pick. Number 12, Chris Middleton. Number 11, Avery Bradley. Number 10, Monte Ellis. Number 9, Bradley Beal, little low. Uh, number 8, J.J. Redick. Number 7, Victor Oladipo. And number 6, C.J. McCollum. So the first person that we are going to talk about was my guy, uh, Chris Middleton, who I got a lot of flack for, Andy, on our Facebook page because I posted a question about Middleton, and I said that he was uh, – I called his last season a disappointing, which is weird because, as Andy knows, I love Chris Middleton. Um, but to be honest, I was expecting more, and I'm not completely sure it was his fault. I just think Giannis became – was clearly the guy that became the Bucks alpha dog, and I really thought it was going to be Chris Middleton before the season started, so that really surprised me, and that's why – Maybe I individually felt like his season was disappointing. And I think his increase in points can be accounted for with an increase in usage. So he got the ball more, he shot more shots, so he scored more points. That was a lot of the argument that I was getting. Oh, well, he scored 19.5 points last season up from 15. Well, yeah, he shot more. He got the ball more in his hands. So, yeah, his points did increase slightly, or probably more than slightly, to be to be fair to my critics. But I just I, I was expecting more out of Middleton. I don't know what exactly I was expecting, but I, it just wasn't what I saw last season. You know, I always give Chris Middleton a hard time, and I think it's it's a combination of the the K starting his name, which has always been weird to me. Um, I'm, I'm really, really stuck on that one. Today. And it, it's also it might be a little bit of the fact that you really like the guy, and I'm like trying to find things wrong with him. But here, here's the thing: is what I always do when we do these drafts is there's a lot of guys who I'm really familiar with. You know, like, I have a, a large memory bank of watching Archie Goodwin and Devin Booker, and it must be because when, you know, Bledsoe's hurt and all this stuff is going on, I, you know, I watched a lot of Suns basketball for some reason at that at point in time. Middleton, I didn't watch a ton of last, so I look at some film on some of these guys to just get it fresh in my mind. And, you know, Middleton does a lot of nice things. He's a decent defender. And the Bucks relied on him for 36 minutes a game, which, you know, if some six minutes is kind of a ton. Uh, he's only 25. He shoots the ball well, uh, 39%, just about 40% from three, 88% from the stripe, about 45% from the field goal range. The thing with Middleton, I think, is he doesn't, he doesn't do things like Zach Levine would do. He's not dunking the ball. He's not real smooth crossing people over. He's just really efficient and he does a lot of things. Well, he's kind of uh, vanilla. So, you know, I do have some respect yeah. for that because I think there's a That's lot fair. of under the radar guys who do a lot of extra things that you don't necessarily see the exciting players do hustling for extra possessions, things of that nature. So I do have a little more respect for Middleton's game, you know, after being uh, watching some of the in-depth film, and I'm cool with the place he's at. And I think you're maybe a little harsh on him because you, you like had higher expectations. You were like, it could have been better. You're like the father at football practice yelling at a six year old because he's not tackling. Right. But yeah, I, I do. I have kind of a newfound respect. He needs to change that K to a C, but we'll talk about that on another episode. Yeah. You know, I, I think you, you really nailed it on the head with me for Chris Middleton. I think the reason I was such a fan of his game 
is sort of the reason why I shouldn't have had as high expectations for him because I think you nailed it perfectly. I feel like Chris Middleton, you put Chris Middleton on a good team, and I think he's a guy that can start for you like sort of like a Harrison Barnes like was in the Golden State Championship run. He doesn't do anything special, but he does his job. Like you can put Chris Middleton in the corner, and he's going to nail 45% of your threes. He's going to do good things on the court. But that's probably not the guy that's going to be the alpha dog on your team. So maybe I was expecting just a leap out of him that just is not in his game. But I just love the guy. I think that he, like you're saying, sort of like a Nick Batum. That's another person I think of. Like Nick Batum is just going to do the right things on the right team. And you're just going to be like, this is great. I, I need Nick Batum on my team. I don't need him to be the best player on my team, but I definitely need a guy like Nick Batum on my team. Let's move on. Bradley Beal, um, I think we both had him pretty low. I think nine is sort of, I mean, I think that might surprise some people, but I think we both agree that a lot of these younger guys like C.J. McCollum and, you know, other guys we're going to name, even a guy like Victor Oladipo, I had J.J. Redick over him. Um, I think Bradley Beal was probably a top five shooting guard going into this draft last season, and I, I think he's really separated from, from the rest of these guys. What do you think? No, he did absolutely. And I, I think a lot of this, and we've talked about this in the last draft, is injuries will do this to you, inconsistent play, being on a team that's supposed to make the playoffs but doesn't. And Beal didn't have terrible numbers. I think he got it like 18 points a game or something last year. But I think it's the, the expectations. And this is like me with uh, you with Chris Middleton. I, you know, I was arguing hard that Beal, you know, might be better than DeRozan. Could even, you know, he's in the, the Jimmy Butler discussions things like that he's up in that top five top three top four and he he fell man and I did have him initially I had I still had him above Redick uh, by one but I had him above Oladipo and McCollum at once and then like I, last second I was like oh these are a couple of young guys who are come up and I think that you know they might have a higher ceiling than Beal at this point, which sound, would have sounded nuts two years ago. But I, I think that Beal's kind of leveled out a little bit. Still an excellent player, but he's he's got work to do to climb back up into that top five. Sure. I mean, still calling him a top ten shooting guard is, is obviously praise. You know what I mean? We do have him ahead of some, some really talented players like Middleton, like Avery Bradley, who was a very good player. Um, Monte Ellis we had at 10, which which I'm going to talk about because it was my pick, and I, I kind of regretted it as soon as I made it. Maybe Monte Ellis isn't a top 10 shooting guard anymore. There, It's just, like you're saying, injuries is a huge thing in our rankings because if we're just looking at next season, then we're basically, right at this point, this is Bradley Beal's fifth year, and we're going to be asking him to do something that he really hasn't done for the other four years he's been in the league. So you kind of just have to go with what you've seen and – from what we've seen, Bradley Beal's going to miss 25 to 30 games in an NBA season, and that's not a guy I'm going to take over J.J. Redick, who is as consistent as they come. I mean, granted, J.J. Redick does get injured sometimes too, but, I mean, the guy has a very consistent game, and he doesn't miss big chunks of games like that. You know, a Victor Oladipo, a guy that really has shown that he has potential to be something more. Bradley Beal is sort of like, well, when he's there, he's great, but a lot of times he's not there. So I, I don't know if you can really justify having him over all these other guys. I think the Oladipo-Beal thing is, is very interesting because I think Oladipo is to the point now where Beal was a couple of years ago. And so if Oladipo, you know, doesn't get it together now, I mean, you know, he's going to a new team and stuff like that. So we could see a lot of differences. And he did have, I, I pointed out a lot, he had a strong end of the season with the Magic this year. But 
you know, he's going to be this guy we might be talking about next year. Well, now he's down to like 13 because we, we had these expectations sure. and he didn't get there. So it's, you know, it's one of those things and it's an ugly cycle. And I was really high on Beal. I think I was saying Beal and John Wall were the best backcourt in the league coming up a couple of years ago. And now that's, that's changed a lot. They've been leapfrogged, you know, by numerous teams. So it's just one of those things, man, the business is tough, Bradley, get it together. Yeah. And I think you make a great point about Old Depot because, for a lot of people, including me, I think it's kind of a make-or-break kind of year for, for Victor Oladipo. So let's jump into our top five. We need to discuss the top five, obviously. Number five, we still got the old-timer, old-school, real deal, Dwayne Wade, still going at it. Uh, number four, DeMar DeRozan. Number three, Jimmy Butler. And then we have had a change at the top last year. Number one was James Harden, but he is number two this year because Clay Thompson is our number one shooting guard. I told Andy he had first pick. I remember telling Andy even before he made it, if he didn't have Clay Thompson as number one, we were going to have to catch the fade. Uh, he had Clay Thompson as number one before th- before that, but I just knew he didn't want these hands in the first place, so obviously he just took them anyways, uh, regardless of his rankings. So let's talk about – first of all, let's talk about Dwayne Wade. Uh, top five, we both had him at number five. Justify Dwayne Wade over a guy like C.J. McCollum, over these young guys. So how did how did he – get to number five still well i mean it's simple i think Dwayne wade when Dwayne wade is playing quality basketball might even be the third best shooting guard in the league so you know we obviously he he has the injury issues he's getting up there you know so i think there's some suspected uh falling off the edge a little bit he's gonna be playing with butler he's gonna be playing with rondo now you know, the new team, but I still think, you know, when Dwayne Wade's at it and Dwayne Wade's playing good basketball, it doesn't even have to be great vintage Dwayne Wade basketball, just good. Now Dwayne Wade basketball, he's still a top five. I'm still taking him for one game over McCollum and Oladipo and Redick and Beal. I just, there's a, there's something that makes you comfortable about Dwayne Wade on the court. So it's Wade, man. That's, that's he's going to be there forever. He's going to get the Kobe treatment. Yeah. It's the comfort level. And also it's, it's just the clutch for me. Like if, if I had, there's, very few guys in this league I would take over Dwayne Wade if I needed one shot, one possession, one stop even. Like, he can still turn it on defensively at times. So, like, Dwayne Wade, like you're saying, consistent, reliable. And for me, like, another X factor for me is I am banking on a huge Dwayne Wade revenge season. Like, oh, Miami, you thought I was done. You didn't want to – I'm now I'm in Chicago. I got these talented guys next to me. Let me, let me show you what I still got because I'm Dwayne Wade and I'm a Hall of Famer. So I'm really banking on that from Dwayne Wade. Um, number four, DeRozan, I think, is a pretty solid pick. I think a lot of people have him there. Jimmy Butler, I think, is the same thing. Um, I really want to get into, really quick, uh, number two and number one. For me, Clay Thompson, I think when we talked about uh, a few weeks ago, James Harden not making an all-NBA team, um, like as proper punishment for the Rockets being disappointing, I also think a proper punishment for the disappointing season that the Rockets has is that I don't think he's the unanimous number one shooting guard in the league anymore. And in fact, I think a guy on a much more successful team that plays both sides of the ball, Clay Thompson, should be over him. And the biggest thing for me is, is if you were to ask me in some sort of a realm where there's a one-on-one tournament, who is the best player, Claire Harden, I might tell you James Harden. I probably would tell you James Harden. But when you're talking about playing a shooting guard position in the NBA, I don't think there's any, I think, than Clay Thompson, given that he is a traditional shooting guard. He does his job. He plays his role. And he's one of the top defenders in the league. And 
he's guarding positions. He's guarding players of the highest caliber point guards, uh, you know, giving Steph that rest. I just think it, the things he does is too valuable. And, and I feel like there's a lot of talented players in the league that could do similar things to James Harden, that James Harden does. Uh, a lot of the, the top guys yeah. just clay to me plays that role of a shooting guard so well that, that I think he deserved it. James Harden, look at me, look at me. I did this to you. <laughs> clay Thompson is the captain now. Look at him. Uh, so real quick, Andy, you know, we do this at the end of every draft. Who was the most surprising pick you think of the draft that I made? And then I will obviously go into the most surprising pick that you made. Who was my most surprising pick to you? You know, I, I didn't really have anything crazy again, which sucks because I said this during the point guard draft too. And I ended up going with Kyle Korver just because I feel like the cliff he's going to fall off for me is a, a little steeper than, you know, your cliff per se. And, and I, I had him down something like 27 or 28. So, again, it was yeah. nitpicking here. but That's fair. Yeah. So, like, a lot of these surprising picks is, like, Evan Fournier really, I mean, like, my, some people might find that surprising at number 13, but I personally know that Andy loves Evan Fournier, so I wasn't shocked when he picked Evan Fournier at 13. Um, but for me, it was, it was KCP because that's my guy. Contavious Caldwell-Pope is my guy, and I was shocked that you went with him um, so high. I'm also shocked at my own pick of Monte Ellis at, at number 10 because I don't think he's the top 10 shooting guard. Um, Andy, th- Andy, anything you want to add before we go? I'm good. We probably don't have enough time for you need more people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we definitely do not have enough time for you more people. My, 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 play, my, uh, my pick was uh, Mitch Kupchak for reasons that we will get into next week. But that is the end of our show. Join us next week as we continue our journey around the NBA. Make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at NLP Podcast and like us at, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash NLP Pod. That's N like Nick Stauskas, L like Langston Galloway, P like PJ Tucker. We will close as we always do with the great philosopher Jason Waitaka Williams, who once probably thought basketball is a lot like last call at the bar. Sometimes it's better to pass without looking. And with that, we bid you good night.